What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Ty and Bob GoLongTD.com, right in your email inbox, and the Substack app, many ways to access this podcast, in addition to the Go Long Show with my co-host Jim Monis and Favre with Pro Football Hall of Famer Brett Favre. We're going to be recording another episode Friday morning, catching Brett ahead of his uh, hunting trip. He's It's hunting season. It's not hunting. You got to say hunt. hunting. Hunting season. So, uh, yeah, he's he's going to be on the road for that. So we're going to get an episode in Friday. Uh, be on alert for details down those lines. VIP subscribers at Go Long. Uh, those are our founding members. You can upgrade if you'd like. Uh, you can join us if you're a VIP, Bob. Ask Brett Favre anything that you want. It's been mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Trig V. Olson was in there. Jason Brown's been in there. Uh, a really good crew, so it's your chance to just hang out with the greatest player in Green Bay Packers history and one of the best players in all of NFL history. Um, and also you'll get a go-long sweatshirt, a signed copy of the Blood and Guts, How Tight End Save Football. So, yes, VIP, we'd love to have you. And if you are a VIP, thank you for all of your support. And I think Packer fans are pretty happy, Bob. Um, but before we get into that win, how you doing? What's new? Good. I'm, um, I love Thanksgiving. It's a great holiday, but then there's a lot of ball coming up, including my game of the year, Michigan, Ohio state. But what I'm really looking forward to is going to Ford field on Sunday or to see four Michigan high school state championship games. And in the opener, the Menominee Maroons from my beloved UP Tyler one hour away, I played against Menominee for four years. And anybody who's ever played Menominee in the last 60 years, they will have seen them play the single wing, the ancient single wing offense. Direct snap to either a or a fullback. Quarterback is actually on the line. He's a blocking back, and you got a wing back. And I remember in the late 60s preparing for that, that offense. I never forgot it. And they still use the same thing, and they're gunning for their fourth state title. So uh, really exciting. I can't wait to see the Maroons. <laughs> That's pretty amazing that an offense like that has stayed intact, stagnant. And I say stagnant in the highest regard. Right. You think at some point the coach would come along and just say, nope, let's spread this thing out. One coach, Ken Hofer, was there about 40 years, and then he gave it to his assistant, and now they have a young coach from Gladstone, Chad Brandt. But uh, I remember every week now, when you had to play Menominee, and you had to try to defend that single wing, everything you did on defense went out the window. You're going to play man or zone, and you, all this faking, it was just a oh. Chinese, just a fire drill, I'll call it, and um uh, I never beat Menominee. My teams were 0-4, so uh, that's what I know about it. Really excited to see him in Ford Field, though. I mean, you can't beat high school football. You know, forget sports. I mean, these are the best memories that these kids will have for the rest of their lives. We we talk about our games from back in the day still when we get together. (laughs) And gosh, that offense, it really reminds me of the team that prevented us from going to States my junior year. We played... uh, Oakfield, Alabama. This is in Western New York. 
They were the Section 5 champs. We were the Section 6 champs after we took down Maple Grove 2004, I want to say. But their offense was the same deal. They packed all 11 players super, super tight together. And then they just did all these crazy ball fakes. And I can remember, Mm -hmm. so obviously we all played both ways. So quarterback on offense and a safety on defense. But I'd I'd stand right up there at the line of scrimmage because they didn't have any receivers out. And you'd be looking right at this thing and not know what the hell was going on. Yeah. Yeah. And they were all like 300 pound corn fed farmhands, likely on steroids that just, you know, steamrolled us in the second half. But what can you do? That's going to be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to it. It's a big week. We got, you know, the Thanksgiving day game in Detroit. Uh, The Spartans play on Friday. Uh, Michigan's in the basketball tournament in the Bahamas Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I got to tape and watch those. Got the game of the year for me, my Super Bowl on Sunday at uh, high noon on Saturday. And then I love that Iron Bowl, Alabama, Auburn. It's not Ohio State, Michigan hate, but it on a regional basis, it approximates it. And then the, the preps on Sunday. I can't wait. Michigan have any chance? Against the Buckeyes? Well, they're a favorite. Against the world, I hear. Yeah, a bunch of – what a bunch of crap. (laughs) Whatever they did, they did to themselves, Tyler. I would call myself an appalled alum. (laughs) An appalled alum. (laughs) And I think they're coming in. I think my head says Ohio State on this one over my dead body, but that's what I would say right now. I've seen these teams almost every game they've played too, you know. I think it says a lot about you that you're still supporting that organization, that university. It's and the sad, tickets Bob. you could you could take a stand. You could take a stand and just disown your alma mater here. Well, I just said I'm an appall I'm a, an appalled, appalled alum. But how appalled? You're gonna be rooting for him. Against Ohio State, yes, I am. That's been drilled should, into me for 70 years. You should cut all ties. <laughs> Completely not Ohio State, Tyler. Sorry, my friend. All right, completely unrelated because this came up in a conversation. I was listening to uh, the DA show on on Mad Dog with Babchek. It's it's great, great show to, to catch in the morning on on the way to the coffee shop to do a little writing. And they brought they brought this up how colleges and universities like after you go into debt after you pay these institutions just this obscene amount of money that will be weighing you down for maybe the rest of your life. Then they send you letters asking for more money, right? The, uh, the endowment. And, and usually they'll only wait like maybe a few months before those letters start coming in. Like, do you, do you get those letters from Michigan and yeah. do you actually give them money or do you throw it right in the trash? I have a little bit, but I mean, I'm not never made the big uh, shekels, you know, I mean, it wasn't in any position to help my alma mater as if it needs it with the endowment they have. <laughs> I think what people should do is like, like literally take two pennies or like a nickel and just put it in an envelope and send it back. Like just make that, that's more of a statement than throwing it away. <laughs> so like Syracuse calls you Tyler call. Oh, yeah, I get, I get the email like, the everything from Syracuse. Yeah. yeah. Old new house. <laughs> they need some money. Yeah. Well. All right. So go Buckeyes. And with that, (laughs) 
what do you make of uh, the Green Bay Packers win? Because we've done this every week, and whenever we get to the Packers, it's usually the same story. Kind of boring. Kind of bad. Not a lot to get excited about. But slowly, the tide is turning. Robert McGinn, I think. It is. I'm going to try to get some optimism out of you. I'm going to pull it out of you. Well, Tyler. Hey. With these expanded playoffs in which you get 14 of the 32 in, right? They now, point differential, are 15th. They're even, 202 and 202. I mean, the Vikings are minus 23 on point differential. They're a couple games ahead of them. but So, I mean, it's ridiculous to, the way they've played to talk about them as a, a playoff team. I hate talking about that. Um, so I don't really want to get into it. But, oh, I mean, I don't they, care about the playoffs. No, I'll go full Jim Moore. I don't give, I don't give a damn about that. I, I think a pulse out of the offense is oh. encouraging. Yeah, right? yeah mean, they showed that. And, and look, the Chargers, we'll get into it. They they chargered this game away. I mean, you had the Keenan Allen drop touchdown, the uh, uh, Austin Eckler fumble, like inside the 10, the inside the DCI five. or inside the five, right? The, the defensive penalty that kept the Packers game-winning drive alive and Quentin Johnston for some unknown godforsaken reason was a first-round pick because – he looks like somebody who shouldn't be on be on the field with, with the drops he has. So they gave Green Bay every opportunity, but Green Bay this time capitalized and finished. And I think that's encouraging. It was Jordan Love's best game. All of the young receivers around him at some point, one or another made a play. The downside, Aaron Jones is obviously banged up. I'm sure you'll get into it. You're not getting anything out of him this season due to injuries and and what have you. So I, I think the fact that all of these young players showed some promise is a good thing. No doubt. We'll get to them. Let's start with our positions. We'll get to all these people. Okay, T? Let's go to the wide receivers. I mean, you know, collectively, all this youth is out there. But, I mean, everybody played well. Um, Heath is the blocker replacing Lazard. Uh, man, he, I mean, he just knocked Khalil Mack on the ground one time when he chipped him before going out on a route. It was beautiful. Uh, his block on Reed's touchdown and that reverse, outstanding. So he's a tough kid. Christian Watson on the over route. I mean, that's what he did last year. That's when his speed is most uh, most dangerous. And he had an 11-yard touchdown against Asante Samuel across the field. Uh, Wicks, I mean, he had a bad drop in the fourth quarter, but he also made some plays. Turned a five-yard hook into a gain of 36. Broke Mike Davis's tackle. I mean, he only ran 4-6 flat. The guy's playing decent. Dobbs, he went up and got that ball in that end zone for the uh, – was that the winning score? Yeah, 24-yard touchdown over Mike Davis. And Musgrave, you know, he can really run. And when you run those quick flats, the guy can uh, – he's a leak-out guy, but he beats people. Now, he failed on that fourth-and-one flat pass when the safety gill brought him on. Did like that, but he made a tough catch in traffic on third and 11. So he played pretty good. Now, he's got an abdominal injury. He may, may not play Thursday, I saw. And even Kraft, who hasn't shown much of anything in the receiving department, he ran a quick flat because he can run good. What's his 40 time, Tyler, the Kraft kid? I mean, he had all the triangle numbers. Well, he, I was thinking of what the scouts told you about Kraft. 
on that play. They they basically called him a baby Gronk. A couple of them, right? Like was that it? I can't remember. Yeah, that. yeah, they loved okay. him. Musgrave ran four five six and Kraft four seven three, but he's a bigger man than Musgrave, and he got in that flat. Uh, uh, ran right past the uh, the former first round pick Kenneth Murray, who's been kind of a bust. Skipped over the safety Marlowe for a twenty seven yard gain. I mean, it was all. And Sims is the best blocking tight end. And then Reed on these reverses, fifteen yards, thirty two yard touchdown, fine catch for seventeen on a third and twelve uh, slot comeback route. Another bubble for eighteen. He's kind of darty and stuff. So uh, I saw him at Michigan State all last couple of years. I liked the pick when it was made. So they had a whole bunch of positive moments in the receiving core. It was their best, uh, their best look of the year. While we're on the subject, I just uh, pulled up the Tucker Craft content from the scout. So this is a go long. You can just hit that draft tab. And, and go through the archives anytime, of course. But an AFC scout, this is what an AFC scout told our Bob McGinn. Quote, it's sad he got hurt in the first game against Iowa. He came back and played, and they won the championship of that division, FCS. I thought he was much better blocker and the same type of receiver as the other guy from that school, Dallas Goddard. He's stronger physically. He reminded me of Gronkowski, the way he's built and the way he moves. He played H-back, lined up in the backfield at times. Excellent receiver at all levels. He actually went down the field. Somebody told me he got offered big bucks to go to a big Division I school after his junior year, and he turned it down. It paid off because they won the national championship. I like him as much as Michael Mayer. He could be the best of the group. Pretty high praise for a guy that Green Bay took. Second round or third? Third round, 78th overall. Third. Third round. Which, now with Luke Musgrave's health issues, sounds really scary as we record this right now. Abdominal. Uh, Matt LaFleur didn't really offer a, a ton of details, but he, he may go on IR. I think that's a possibility. So we'll probably be seeing a lot more of Tucker Craft. That would hurt, yeah. All right, the old line. Um, you know, they all... Terminated uh, Rasheed Walker and uh, Josh Neidman over there at left tackle. Walker had 41, Neidman had 31. I thought Walker clearly outplayed Neidman, and I think we're going to see him against the Lions. Um, Neidman gave up a sack to Mack, a strip sack to Mack, had a false start, whereas Walker, I only got him for one flush. I thought the guy played pretty good, so I think they should play him this week. Not a very good game for Elgin Jenkins. Third and one, a carry for minus one. He got beat by Nick Williams really bad. Gave up a hurry to Joseph Day. Missed Mack on a carry for minus five. Gave up a hurry to Murray on an interior blitz. Not a very impressive outing. Um, I didn't think the O-line played that great. Love was on the move. Um, but they're they're healthy now, other than Bakhtiari, and uh, they're on a short week, and they're going to face crowd noise. and they got to really be on top of their game to run the ball or protect over there because that's a an inferno. But I will say this, just judged from the TV, I thought Lambeau crowd was pretty loud in this game. Um, 
I thought they they kind of bothered the Chargers. That was impressive for a team that came in. What were they came in three and six, right? Green Bay, yeah. That's their advantage, Tyler. They have home field advantage till the bitter end. Most teams don't when you're losing, having a losing season. When I covered that team in the '80s, that's when they pull their upsets late in the year at Lambeau. Remember beating the Vikings? They pull some upsets, and that can always happen in Green Bay, and that's a huge advantage. When the Chargers are in town, I mean, the Chargers don't have fans. I don't know many Los Angeles Charger fans in my life. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anybody listening does. If, if you do, please give that person a hug uh, for being an L.A. Chargers fan. God, imagine to be a Chargers fan. I mean, if you did stick with this team from San Diego to L.A., even if you go back to Dan Fouts, like <laughs> to waste these quarterbacks and win nothing, brutal. Brutal. I mean, Justin Herbert is making 50 mil a year. You draft a receiver in the first round. He can't catch a pass. You know, you're disgruntled running back. I mean, he looked like Mike Tolbert running up the left sideline there early in the game. And then he had that fumble. I like Austin Eckler a lot. Sat down with him for a feature at one point. He's a really interesting guy. Hmm. I don't think he's going to get the money he wants in this lifetime as a football player. Um, But this is the team that should be competing for a Super Bowl in theory. They acquire Cleo Mack, and here they are. They're going to fire Brandon Staley. Um, I've kind of had a, a soft spot Bill for Belichick, the Chargers. Bill Belichick going to come in? Who knows? My brother Danny has lived in San Diego for oh, 50 years at least, and um, he remembers going to Balboa Stadium in the AFL years when John Hadle was throwing to Lance Allworth and scoring a lot of points, and it was kind of a – a great thing. And then Coriel came in. I've had a soft spot for the Chargers, but um, they've been to one Super Bowl, right? And they got killed by the Niners. That was it. Dan Humphreys and Natron Means. Bobby Ross, Bobby Beathard. Ross. Yep. I got to say. All right, let's go to, the, let's go to Jordan Love, T. Um, you know, he did not play very well Doug early. Coriel and Dan Fouts for an hour. I, I'd love to, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, we could get into that. I like the Chargers. Um, okay. Joey Boza goes out first series. I mean, that was a huge advantage for green Bay suffers a foot injury. I guess it was. Okay. You know, love, I guess I just noticed this, this game, you know, his cadence, he still uses the same number sequence as Rogers did that 319, 319. You can hear Rogers saying that for 20, 50 years, whatever. He still has got that going. He underthrew Dobbs deep early. His balls in the flat are just kind of off a little bit. But, you know, maybe that's the NFL norm. We're just so used to Rodgers and even Favre throwing the ball so accurately out in the flat and placement. Okay. um, uh, He took a sack in 4.8 seconds. That, That was bad. He was on the move with his eyes up. I loved it. And he found Wicks for 29 i mean the guy when he breaks the pocket he's looking downfield very impressive he that, fumbled a shotgun snap recovered left, it right, himself kind of moved to the left and yeah absolutely third and 12 he drilled a ball to reed really a nice comeback route nice throw third and 11 he's got a free runner coming coming at him against runyon he hits musgrave on a deep out for 12 i mean it was a, a brilliant throw and on the second half, he started nine for nine for 103 and a touchdown. 
overthrew Musk on a wheel. You know, his feet weren't, uh, weren't working properly on that throw. He got an intentional grounding. Mark Sanchez said it was Wicks's fault on the route. Who knows? So 524 left. He's down 2016. Third and 20 from his 15, and he just lets it rip. And he gets the P.I. on Samuel against Wicks. And that really led to victory. Um, he overthrew Watson deep. Um, but everything was on love after they lost Aaron Jones. And, you know, they lost the Wilson guy who looked interesting. But it was all on him. And, uh, and he won this game. He really did. And he won a game earlier in the year. Who was that against, Tyler? Uh, was that the Saints when he did that? Yeah. Week right, three, Saints. September 24. So, but I think this is his best overall game, 322. Very encouraging, Tyler, with his performance. You agree? Oh, yeah. I think, too, like a theme, if you're trying to figure out some stickiness here, he he just plays well in the fourth quarter for, for the most part, right? The Pittsburgh game was a little wonky and the out and up that was picked off, maybe not all on love and then the last play is is what it is just but for the most part you know even if things are going terribly he doesn't let things snowball he kind of saves his best for last he you brought it up a handful of times his demeanor like he really is unflappable he doesn't get too high get too low show up receivers he is so just flatlined that it can be it can be criticized. I think if you're if you're a fan at home and you want to see some emotion, you're used to Favre, right? And even Rogers to an extent where they they're going to be up and down and wear their emotions on their sleeve. It is it is kind of different to see a quarterback out there who is is just going to ride it out, and that's got to be a quality you love if you're Matt Lafleur and Brian and Brian Gutekinds. I mean, here's a guy making his. It's starting for the first time and shit goes haywire from time to time. You lose your left tackle for the season. Now you're losing your best player, Aaron Jones, and all these young receivers are screwing up in different ways. You're screwing up in different ways. You're in a lot of these hostile environments and he is just completely unaffected mentally. It it appears. I mean, if, if he's like panicked beneath the surface, he, he sure isn't showing it which that that alone would, would give me the confidence that he's only going to keep getting better. And I think that the, the fact that you're seeing progress out of Jordan Love right now, it's probably too soon for us to sit here and say 2024 starter, locked and loaded, make a trade for a an A.J. Brown-like wide receiver one and go all in, but a game like this at least moves you in the right direction. All right, the running backs, Tyler. Um... So Jones injures his left knee in the second quarter, late second. Um, Adam Schefter reports it's a sprained MCL. That means a couple, three, four weeks, right? Probably. Yeah. So, and then Wilson looks like a north-south guy, a small school player. Uh, He had a drop as a wide receiver, but it was amazing to me that they even put him out there and threw the ball to him. He must have some ability as a receiver. And then um, he hurt that left shoulder on the swing pass on the sidelines, just the angle of the hit apparently. And so I assume he's not playing this week. 
AJ Dillon showed some separate uh, effort on a second effort on a swing pass. That was nice, but we know Dillon, and now they got um, they just the guy they brought back. Let's uh, Patrick Taylor. He's been with the team four years. Six one and a half, two seventeen, four six zero. He was injured a lot in college. I mean, I had some pretty good things on him. Thirteen on the test. Uh, average athletic testing numbers. So he's going to play. He's going to play this this Thursday. He was on, what, the New England practice squad. Uh, Degora, he's going to have to play some in the backfield. And Reed might too. But So Lafleur's going to have to mix and match and go with different personnel groups. And Dylan's going to have to play a lot of plays. But they've got to run the ball to, you know, uh, massage or stem the lion frenzied rush. All right, let's go as to the D, Tyler. Well, as, as you're breaking these backs down, I'm a little slow on the trigger finger. I, I did a okay. story on uh, Patrick Taylor two years ago. We, we chatted. You did? Length. Yeah, yeah. Really interesting guy. Um, out of Memphis. Had this crazy injury it's so funny you write all these stories and you, and you can't even remember what's what <laughs> you too huh <laughs> <laughs> i'll just read the lead real quick there was physical pain a lot of pain but anything he felt in his foot paled in comparison to a totally different feeling irrelevance patrick taylor was a force at memphis in a crowded backfield he still ripped defenses for 1,988 rushing yards and 29 touchdowns his sophomore and junior seasons. He averaged north of 5.5 yards per carry. The plan as a senior in 2019 was to dominate, to work his way into that first or second round on draft day. With a torn ligament in his foot, however, he missed eight games. The weight was torture. Quote, when you're not playing and on the field and scoring touchdowns and running the ball, people forget about you. I'm used to getting the ball in my hands and scoring touchdowns, getting the praise. I'm not a praise guy, but it's tough. People can say whatever they want. But when you're not out there and not scoring touchdowns and people aren't saying your name like, oh, Patrick Taylor, that stuff's tough, man. That stuff's that's tough to deal with. Even worse, he wasn't himself when he returned. So that's right. He went through some pretty insane injury stuff at Memphis. For whatever reason, I thought that he had the same mesh issue with the core muscle as as DeMar Hamlin did too, but uh, neither here nor there. He he uh I would love to know what his life has been like even since that story. So that would have been the summer of 2021. I feel like he's been signed and let go and stashed on the practice squad and signed. Like there's been this tortured cycle that he's been on since that point. That would be really interesting to hear about. So we might have to catch back up with Patrick Taylor. I mean, you you think you're going to get your chance and you're getting the ball a little bit. You make a mistake and you're done. And they say, hey, keep your phone on you. Maybe we'll call you back. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Um, You're living out of a hotel, right? A lot of these guys, these are the players nobody thinks about, that nobody talks about. You know what I mean? Like, you are living month to month, and maybe you get one shot. You better as hell take advantage of that shot, or you might be in a different profession. Um it's 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 such a 
it's a cutthroat business, man. You know, here in Buffalo in Tredavious White uh, tours Achilles. That's right. He had the ACL, missed a year, returned, took him a while to kind of figure himself out. And then he tears his Achilles and, and justifiably so. I talked about it with Monas on our other podcast. Pe- people were just crushed for Tredavious White. I mean, it, those are brutal back-to-back injuries. But there was definitely a little part of me that was like, okay, but he did, he got his money in between. Like he, I should say before the first injury, he, he got paid. He's one of the highest paid cornerbacks in the NFL. So it's awful for him. Don't get me wrong. But financially, he's in a good place. How many players? I mean, you've covered this game since 1979. Think about the number of players who, God, maybe they're on the bubble to make a roster. And then they suffer that injury and they're just done. Like, that's it. They get paid that year's salary on IR, and then they're gone. Yeah. I know. Brutal stuff. All right, let's go to the defense. Um, all, you recited all the uh, full pause by the Chargers. I mean, they should have won the game, obviously. Keenan Allen, of all people, dropping two touchdowns. The tight end dropped the 10-yard touchdown pass. That's smart. Eckler's fumble. Johnson's drop at the end. All right, the defensive line, there really wasn't much going on. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, you know, I will say this. He does play some violent football. Um, like the uh, the right guard, uh, Jamari Salyer, he just he tossed him one time, and he just seized him and tossed him. Uh, Wyatt is strong. He's compact. I think he's on the ground too much. He blew a sack. You know, he's not there yet, but there's still a there's still a chance that he could be a really good player. He's just a guy right now. But um Brooks, the kid from Bowling Green, had a sack. He beat Sawyer and showed, you know, once he got around Sawyer, he really showed that burst to the quarterback. Impressive. Kenny Clark had a hurry, he had a flush, he had a batted ball. He was the best guy. Um Slayton is Slayton. Nothing more to report. Out on the edge, uh, I didn't think Rashawn Gary did much against Pipkins. Uh, I've seen Pipkins have problems against other NFC North teams. Um, he really didn't. He had a late sack, but that was set up by uh, somebody else. I can't remember. Uh, Van Ness, he only played. Tyler, he played 12 snaps. And the other guy on the number two set, Engabare, played 22 I just don't know. I don't know what they think of Van Ness. Uh, I mean, he hasn't done much, but should he be playing less than Engabari? They think they think so. He's played less all year. Preston Smith, he ducked inside. Eckler went around on a 37-yard carry. However, he forced that fumble on Eckler at the three. He got a knockdown late against the great left tackle, uh, Slater. He blew contain on Herbert when he went outside him for nine. So... Their pass rush, it's pretty average. It's maybe comparable to Green Bay, uh, to Detroit's right now. Be a, a good matchup. All right, that's it there, T. Let's go to the off-the-ball backers. Um, Quay Walker returned. Um, I didn't – he had a near interception. He had half a tackle for loss. Missed a tackle. He was Okay. Campbell, um, I, there was 
some very questionable moments involving Devondre Campbell and coverage in this game when they had some blows in that secondary. Gains of 38, 21, and 51. Then he went out in the fourth quarter with a left shoulder. looked like an AC injury. I don't know what his status is. And then McDuffie, we know McDuffie. So that's it at linebacker. I mean, they didn't play real good on defense. And now in the secondary. So it's just a total Band-Aid, and I give them a lot of credit. So you're losing, you're missing Savage, Jair Alexander, the, the trade of Rasul Douglas, and who's the other corner who was injured? Am I missing somebody? No. Oh, Stokes is on IR. He hasn't played all year, but still. All right. So you're starting. You're starting four back, four backups. Oh, Rudy Ford's out. So you're starting at safety backups, Owens and Johnson, the rookie. And at corner, you're starting Ballantyne and Ballantyne. Are you kidding me? And, you know, they hung in there. And Herbert, he had a whole bunch of drops, but his passer rating was under 100, 99.3. Allen, 10 for 116. But, all right, they hung in. Valentine, the guy challenges wide receivers, T. He, PBU, third and five on an out to Johnson, that first-round pick. He's all over the guy, breaks it up. Now, he might be a little bit too, too aggressive. He's going to get beat on some double moves, I think, here real soon. You know the Lions are looking at this tape. But um, at least he's challenging people. And Ballantyne, a fifth-year guy who's been around, Let's look at Valentine's numbers. I don't think we've ever done that. Valentine's been around. All right, he is a five. He was a six six round pick in 2019. He's 5'11", 194. But you know, as we discussed, Gutekunst and that uh, and that Packer personnel department, they love speed guys. He ran four four six. His eleven three broad jump was the best in his class at that position in 2019. Eleven three. 39 and a half inch vert. So he's got that athletic stuff. Thing I like about Valentine is the way I he's he's willing to hit. And Valentine's a hitter too. They both will run support far better than Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas. I'll tell you that. Kind of like the guys. Owens is a hitter too. He missed a tackle on that 51 yard touchdown to the tight end smart. That was bad. Extra 29 on the missed tackle. But he'll stick his nose in there. And then Johnson, the safety. Ekelar, he got ran, run down by this Johnson guy. Johnson ran 4-5-1 coming out this year. He's a seventh-round pick. He ran him down. Johnson ran 4-5-1, but he caught Eckler. So, and I didn't think Nixon played that well. He was the, the only other in secondary. He was the nickelback. He was just okay. So, a lot of kudos to that uh, to that. Patchwork secondary, I guess we use a cliche and call them that. Special teams, T. Uh, man, Nixon continues to lead the league on kickoff return. The guy is just gutsy, man. He'll take it out from anywhere. And you better get some people to stick a nose in front of him because otherwise he'll take it to the house on you. The guy is hell-bent for election. He's strong and he's fast. He can make a cut. Man, he, he, He's a hell of a kickoff returner. Levitt, this was interesting, that uh, kind of a journeyman safety. Dallin Levitt, who they picked up last year, and he played teams for him. Well, he got a holding penalty, and then uh, unsportsmanlike conduct for doing something with the referees. 
They cut him on Monday. So Levitt's gone. Nixon fumbled a punt out of bounds. So, and the kicker missed an extra point, Carlson. So he's been somewhat shaky. He missed from 52 and hit on 28. So when you add it all up, you know, they had injuries in the secondary. They held the Chargers to how many points? 20? Yeah. And Love had a really good game, and the receivers played really well. They lost two backs, and they still won. And they're hanging in at four and six. And they're, I think, tied for seventh. Yeah, tied for seventh or maybe eighth in the NFC playoff picture. But let's not talk about that garbage. I totally agree with you. All right, that's enough of that blabbing by me, Tyler, on that Green Bay team. You just regressed to a state of disgust pretty pretty rapidly there, Bob. Are you going to give them a chance against Detroit Thursday, Thanksgiving? Yeah. Ford we'll Field talk about be nuts. On the McGinn memory, we'll talk about Thanksgiving Turkey Day games over, over here, but um, heck yeah. What are they, six-point dogs? Lions are, yeah, they can win this game. Love running around, throwing to these receivers. Detroit secondary is shaky. They don't have a great pass rush. They can score a whole bunch of points. Get a couple turnovers. Detroit's not doing good on the turnover. I was going to mention this, Tyler. Since Mike Holmgren taught me the value of giveaway takeaway, I look at that thing religiously. And every week I'm looking at it. Look where these... And But this year, the top teams are not at the top of giveaway turnover differential. The Eagles are minus one. The Chiefs are minus five. Detroit's <laughs> minus two. Who's up top? Pittsburgh, plus 11. The Bengals, plus 10. Okay, the Niners are plus 10, but then the Chargers, plus seven. Denver, plus six. So usually, man, the top records are up there in the top 10, but not this year. And Detroit is minus two. Green Bay, by the way, is minus three. Vikings minus six. Bears minus six. That's where the game is won. For sure. All right. Let's switch gears. All right. Let's go to Detroit, Chicago, Tyler. Um, So this was really a good game. I'm going to talk about the Bears first. Tyler? This is about the best-looking Bear team I've seen in a, long, in a long time. We did the NFC North thing with the scouts here last week, and the more I talked to people, the more my eyes were opening to their personnel. And then, you know, with more of a practiced eye, I was able to really look at their personnel. They got some players. And, you know, they should have won this game. The coach kind of got – he went conservative at the end, didn't help himself, didn't help his team. But um, they do have some players. Let's just look at this thing. The offensive line, they got Darnell Wright, who played pretty good in this game. They got Braxton Jones. He's more aggressive than I thought he would be coming out of the small school. He played pretty good in this game. you got Tevin Jenkins, the second-round pick, played pretty good in this game. That's three linemen. And with Nate Davis back, the right guard, a veteran, unrestricted from Tennessee. First time I'd really seen him this year. Played with leverage. I thought he was really tough. Um, Right now, I'm going to call him a pretty solid starter. They got a hole at center. 
But, I mean, you might have three, three and a half, four linemen. And they've never had that for a long time, like 15, 20 years. Let's just look at their personnel. you got DJ Moore, who's a terrific player. All right. The rest of the wide receivers, I mean, they need help. The tight end, Cole Komet, he's fine. The scouts said that. Justin Fields had a terrific game. He ran for over 100. He threw the ball good against a good team, against crowd noise. He conquered all that, played a heck of a game. The running backs, Herbert was back, and so you got three good backs, Herbert, Foreman, and Johnson. It's a pretty solid outfit. Let's look at their D-line. Montez Sweat changes the whole appearance of their defense. When um, when there was a long touchdown here, Sweat was not on the field. Uh, no, I'll find that later. But, I mean, he's a real legit pass rusher. Now, they don't have anybody else on the edge, but inside they know how to stop the run, and they got four guys. Justin Jones and Billings are the veterans. Pickens and Dexter are the rookies. There's some ability there and some run stuff there. Linebackers, TJ Edwards is not a talent, but he's a productive guy. Edmonds from Buffalo and Sanborn from the Badgers. I kind of like the guy. And then the secondary, they got three three out of four players. No, they got four out of five slots that are impressive. Jalen Johnson, they got to pay him. He's a really good corner. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson, I liked what he did in this game. He's tough. Yeah, he gets grabby, but he's a rookie. Kyler Gordon is a really good nickelback. Um, Brisker, all right, he's a strong safety, and he can be beat deep, but, I mean, he's got a lot of tools. Okay, they're going to need to replace Eddie Jackson. So they got four out of five spots right now, barring injury. They got a money kicker. So they're, what, three and eight, Tyler? But they are not bad. Now, you, you do you think I'm kind of crazy on this? No, I, I, I like the take. I haven't really thought about it. It's a team. Admittedly, I haven't been watching with a very close eye. You know, it's, it's funny. We get to this point of the season and there's some teams you just kind of check out on and we shouldn't just completely check out. Like, even though the Chicago bears aren't, they're not going to the playoffs. They're not winning anything of consequence anytime soon. But this is when you want to see that kind of trend. You want to see a core of young players worth building around. Like if you're the team president, is it Kevin Warren, right? He he came in after Ryan Poles, after Eberflus. So he's really judging everything right now. I, I think he'd have to say whether to just hit reset on everything or not. This would be a vote of confidence for the front office as constructed you know, coaching you know, might be another matter after that finish against the, the Lions, but the drafts look pretty good. And, and talk about draft capital. Jim Onis uh, referred to the Carolina Panthers as not a real NFL team. It's pretty ugly with those Panthers right now. It's looking like you'll have the first pick. Could Maybe, be. Uh, what, the fifth, sixth, or seventh pick, however Chicago's season ends up. The big question is quarterback, and I, I know we're, we're, we want to talk about the game, but let's think big picture real quick because your all-NFC North team, which is live at golongtd.com, everybody check it out. It's it's phenomenal, and Bob, I can't thank you enough for having these extended conversations with 
executives around the NFL uh, because it's, it's always interesting and they always think a little outside the box. And I think there was one, one comment here that maybe raised a few eyebrows by a scout. He said, quote, I like Tyson Bajan better than fields. He came in and was totally in charge. That rookie has some shit to him. Uh, I think mo- most people will, will hear that and think, what? <laughs> what? Uh, but that's the big decision. Like, r- what do you do with Justin Fields? Is is he the long-term answer or not? Based on your conversations with scouts, based on your own eyeballs and what you see, what are they going to do with Justin Fields here? What should I, they do is the question. I'm sorry. What, well, what would you I do? don't know, and I don't know on either count, Tyler. Um, I just want to see more. This was the best I've seen Fields probably this year. I certainly didn't like what he was doing before, and I liked a lot of things Bajant was doing as an undrafted guy out of Shepard. But um, I haven't seen much, you know, Caleb Williams and May, these quarterbacks, I just don't know. Ideally, Fields would be the guy. They'd get two really high picks in the top 12, let's say. They got to get a pass rusher. They need another wide out. I mean, they need stuff, but they do have a core. And uh, Ryan Poles has has missed some picks. He's missed some trades, but he's going to get another chance to have a draft. And they got to make a decision on fields. You're dead right about that. They got time. Can, can you elaborate at all with that scout and where he might have been coming from with a comment like that? Why, why, why oh, was he so high on Beige and so low on, on field? He didn't. He just loved the guy's poise, you know, the way uh, for a young kid out of there. And he sees a lot of growth potential because he's just starting out and he, you know, played with in a rinky dink program. <laughs> and there's just a lot of room for growth with the guy. Um, and he doesn't like Fields. Now, he said this before we saw Fields have his best game of the year. Like I always, we always discuss, Tyler. Everybody in the NFL changes every week. It's just the way it is. You play 17 games, and guys change right before our eyes. We could go back at some Packer players here. We could go back at Lions that we've discussed who have just changed. They changed Sunday, in my opinion. So, yeah, so now, you know, he he might change his mind, but everybody changes their mind. It's a flexible business, man. It's got to be. Got to have an eraser for your reports. You really do. I mean, I was talking to people about CJ Stroud early in the season and there was a lot of praise heaped upon Bobby Slowick and rightfully so. So, you know, he's the one pushing the buttons, bringing over that Shanahan McDaniel offense. And I think over time we're seeing a quarterback who's pretty damn good in his own right, pushing the ball downfield. I mean, really pushing the ball downfield. So uh, one of the scouts I talked to, I caught up with again. He's like, Yes, Stroud's got it. He's got it. Like I, I've got no concerns. So you're right. Th- things can change uh, in their opinions, and that's the beauty of the NFL, though. Really, I, I think that that's the truth. You got there's 16 games. One football game carries the significance of what? 10 baseball games. Is my math right there? Like every game kind of is life and death. That's why we love it. That's why we. T- completely organize our lives around football games. 
All right, so Detroit, Tyler, they go to eight and two, and they pull a game out that, I mean, there was some booze in that crowd at Ford Field, you know? They're down 26 to 14. Goff's got three picks. Three minutes left, they're down by 12. And he takes them the length of the field twice, you know? And they then they got a safety at the end, and it was a rousing way to win. So they're coming in with momentum now, and... 30 years since their last division title, they can taste it. And now they're going to try to sweep Green Bay. Let's see if there's anything new on uh, on Green Bay or on Detroit. St. Brown, we know he's irrepressible. Uh, Laporte is fine. Jamison Williams, okay, third and two. You know, he played a lot in this game, Tyler. Let's look at that snap count. He played 40. Reynolds played 45. St. Brown, 57. Khalif Raymond only played 13. Donovan Peoples-Jones, the ex-Brown, debuts with three. So Williams, uh, third and two. Goff goes to him in traffic in the middle. Made a really tough catch for 12 and got a, took a hard shot. That was impressive. You know, this is a real thin guy who doesn't have very good hands. Uh, but that was an encouraging catch. Then, um, okay. So then they put him in the slot right over there against Jalen Johnson and Eddie Jackson. And he scored a 32-yard touchdown on a kind of a deep corner over there. Uh, Sweat was on the bench on that play, by the way. That was the play. And the rush wasn't there. And he made a – he just ran right by people, ran right by Eddie Jackson. Johnson was out of position. And uh, so he is a deep threat. And uh, Goff's still going to go to him every now and then. How many targets did he have? Not many. 40 snaps. He only was targeted three times. You know, there aren't many targets to go around. You got two really good backs. You got a hell of a tight end. You got St. Brown, who's got to get double figure, double digit targets every game. And you got Reynolds, who's a steady guy that uh, Goff can count on. Um, the offensive line, I thought Mark Sclareth, the former Bronco Pro Bowl guard, he, uh, he said that about Penny Sewell, he said Campbell told him in a production meeting that that's the best player on the team. There's a lot of good players on this club. Every now and then these announcers will tell you something that maybe every 10th game they'll tell you something really interesting. And I thought that was really interesting. The best player on the team is Penay Sewell. And there's some other candidates on this club, but he went with Sewell. I thought Sewell played really good against Sweat. Uh, he's a great run blocker. He was really good. So they, they just came off the ball. You know, even when they had to run the ball in those last three minutes, they had timeouts. They just run it. They don't care. Montgomery's going to get 6, 8, 10, 12, 15, which he did. They know Gibbs is going to break a couple tackles. And they ran and passed, and that's, what, that's why they, you know, could make it easier on golf. They didn't worry about the time. They just know they can run the ball, too. They got this line, you know, Decker's moving people, Ragnall's moving people. Glasgow came out as the top uh, right guard in that uh, NFC North. And then Jonah Jackson doesn't play with some injury. And they play the kid from, what is it, William and Mary, Sorsdahl. Ah, he wasn't great, but he, you know, he didn't, uh, he wasn't intimidated. He hung, he hung in there against the Bears and they got some good DTs. So they got a hell of a line and um, their quarterback had a rough, should we go to the QB? right now okay 
So Goff, he had three picks. All right. Now, one of them was uh, tipped by Jervon Dexter. That was his third one. The second one was terrible. Right to Edwards, thrown to Peoples-Joan on first and 20. He missed it. And then the other one, I can't remember, but it wasn't his fault either. However, so one of the three picks was his fault. However, he had two others that should have been Jalen Johnson, 96 yards, dropped it. And then there was another near interception by Johnson. So Goff did not play well for 57 minutes. And then, but he doesn't care, man. He doesn't get high. And, uh, but it was not a good performance. And I'm sure the Lions are, and their fans were thinking about it, but he got it done at the end, you know. Um, let's go to the running back. So they got this one-two punch, you know. Montgomery, you've seen him with the Bears, Tyler. You've seen him this year. He just gets skinny in these holes, yet he runs tough. He gets like two more yards than is blocked almost every carry. They put him in at a wildcat, stick him back there. He sweep, gets five. He dragged Brisker, the tough, strong safety, for an extra nine yards one time. And then he scores the touchdown, the winning touchdown at 29 seconds. And Gibbs, so look at the the way they uh, divided it. Montgomery had 14 touches for 98. Gibbs had 14 touches for 95. That's about 200 yards for two backs. They got it going on offense. They're a lot better on offense than they are on defense. And they even play the linebacker, Rodriguez, as a fullback on offense as a lead blocker. And on offense, he had uh, six snaps. Cabinda, the fullback's injured. So, you know, they, Ben Johnson finds a way to use this. So they won a game. They had a really excellent chance to lose. And uh, encouraging for that whole organization, I'm sure. It's a byproduct of the belief. I mean, we come back to Dan Campbell so often on this show, but it is so true. I mean, all the stuff that he's preaching behind the scenes and giving the public a, a window view into that this is this is how they win games like this. I mean, this should have been the letdown. This should have been the trap game. This should have been the one that got away. Yet they just completely pull the rug out from underneath the Chicago Bears because of that they make all the little plays that can they can make up for they, they should have lost with the way Jared Goff was playing, they should have lost this game. But they win it. They steal it. I don't have much to add. That was a great breakdown. You know, Jameer Gibbs, I just keep going back to draft day and everybody ridiculing and mocking Brad Holmes for celebrating in that draft room like he did. I mean, hell yeah, they wanted Devin Witherspoon. I, I I heard that from a pretty good source. Like, they wanted Witherspoon, and then they wanted to get Gibbs with their, their second first-round pick. Seattle throws a wrench into everything. They take Witherspoon. The Lions move down. They get Gibbs, who they wanted all along, and don't give a damn what anybody thinks. And, man, does he eat up grass in a hurry, doesn't he? Like, he... He just yeah. glides. There is no wasted motion. He knows where he needs to get to, and he gets there like that. And, and David Montgomery is just going to physically pound you. 
that a lot of a lot of teams would have been okay with DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams. That was a strength on the 2022 team. I, I'm not sure how many teams in that position would think, oh, we need to improve in this area. But I think like the really good the the smart GMs know where the strength of their team is and just do everything they can to accentuate like that. Like the, the Lions started with that old line that we wrote about last year, like that Panay Sewell and to Taylor Decker and everybody in between. That's the strength of the team. So you need you need a run game. They dared themselves to get better with that run game. Paid up for one player, drafted another player highly. And this is how you win games when Jared Goff throws three picks and could have had two more. Um, all right. So now they're at home again this week. One thing I want to mention, Tyler, Campbell talked a lot about the Packers on Monday. And then he had his final presser of the week today, Tuesday. And then Jared Goff followed him up. And I got the transcript. Just to show you what the Lion writers, they're asking the questions. In this two-and-a-half-page transcript, there's not one mention of Packers or Green Bay. It's all about Thanksgiving and what the Lions did against the Bears and whatnot you know <laughs> boy interesting so had Aaron Rodgers been there it would all been oh my god how are you gonna do against Rodgers he threw the Hail Mary to uh the tight end Rodgers a couple years ago you know all that would come up the Packers are nameless on a Tuesday press conference not mentioned once all right wow I go. thought I I thought I saw him talk about Jordan Love at some point Monday. Maybe it was a different day? Monday. Okay, I got you, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, he talked about it, fine, you know, but Tuesday, zero. Yeah, there it is. Green Bay's certainly not irrelevant, but they're not a big name over here right now. Now, we've seen Packer fans take over Ford Field and the Silver Dome. Probably took over Tiger Stadium before that. Um, we'll see how many Packer fans are here. That'll be very interesting, Tyler. Because Lion fans, I don't think, are selling their seats anymore. Okay, Uh, let's go to the defense. You know, they didn't play very good, Ty. And uh, McNeil is their best inside guy. He really played well in the second half. He got a spin sack against Nate Davis. He stuffed Jenkins late for a gain of one yard. Um. He edged Davis for another knockdown. So, I mean, he's their best player. The other guys, Benito Jones, they played the ex-cowboy, the 350-pound guy, Quentin Bohana. He played a lot. He was okay. John Kaminsky's a tough guy. Pascal's kind of a five technique. They're not great at DT, and Bugs and Martin were inactive. They got a lot of guys. They just need somebody else to really come through next to McNeil. The pass rush against the Bears, against Wright and uh, Braxton Jones, Hutchinson didn't get much done, Tyler. A lot of chipping again, of course, but he's a, he's almost a one-man one pass rush. He sees a tr- tremendous amount of tension every week. Green Bay is going to do the same. Hutchinson really should move over to the other side and go after Rasheed Walker because Tom is a good pass blocker, and with help, Hutchinson is going to have a long day. But with 29 seconds left after they took the lead on a four-man rush, he beat right around the corner. First time all day. 
strip sack, ball goes flying, safety, game over, winning play, you know. The other guys on the outside, the Tuak Waras and Charles Harris, zip, nothing. So the pass rush is not there. And, uh, you know, they got Bruce Irvin, the ex-whatever, we talked about him. Uh, Campbell said today that he did not think he'd be ready to play. Let's go to the uh, the backers. Anzalone, we know about him. Um, he's really good. We just know that. But I'm really spending a lot of time watching uh, Campbell, the rookie from Iowa. Let's just look at the notes here. Faked out by Fields on a zone read, gain of six. Missed a tackle against Komet, extra eight. I uh, made a tough take on against the fullback. Missed tackle on command on another pass. Stepped late on a blitz. Missed a tackle on Roshan Johnson. He was late, gain of 15. Overrun some stuff. He blew up Blossom game, the fullback, for minus one. A great play. Had another stuff for zero. There's a little bit more negative than positive. They're playing him a lot. They're playing Barnes a lot, too. Um, Campbell's, you know, of their of their four high picks, he's a little bit behind, but he's not a disappointment. But he's not a really good player right now yet either. Uh, uh, and then to the secondary, Branch had his best game since like early in the season. He's been slowed by this ankle foot deal. Man, Brian Branch made a lot of plays off that slot. Eluded the wide receiver Mooney tackle in the backfield minus six tackle. He killed Komet at the point minus two. Stops Fields on third and two. PBU on Moore, near interception. Very physical in the run game, knocking off blockers. Uh, minus six again, unblocked off the edge. Shows timing, charges in there. Now he had an illegal contact penalty and he had a holding penalty. Two of them on third down, which hurt the cause. But he is a really good player. And now he's back into that form he showed in the first month. Uh, Sutton. He always gets a couple penalties, good run support guy. We know about Jacobs. The touchdown pass, 39 yards to uh, DJ Moore. That's got to be on the safety. Uh, Kirby Joseph got nosy, vacated the post, 39-yard bomb over his head. Joseph missed a tackle. The secondary is not great. The pass rush is not great. Green Bay can put up some points if they can protect. And if their receivers can catch the ball, they can if they can handle the crowd noise, but yeah, they can win this game. And then the special teams, let's finish there. Uh, Fox kicks off, Fox punts. They had a, um, boy, okay, yeah. Uh, That's about it. The kicker's good. So that's Detroit, Tyler. We'll talk about Turkey Day festivities later, but that's Detroit and Chicago. I'm looking forward to it, and we'll get into it a little bit more in the begin memory. But I think after we saw Detroit Green Bay at Lambeau Field, it felt like these two teams couldn't be further apart. Uh, the, the Lions physically were just in a different weight class, I think is the way we articulated that one. It was embarrassing for most of that game. But Green Bay did show a little life at the end, which you can't discredit. And it's been slow. It's been steady on offense but they're competent to the point where they can take advantage of some things in Detroit secondary 
because that's trending the wrong direction. And as high as I am, as you are on the Detroit Lions, it's tough to overcome that, right? They're, they're going to have to get that fixed. What I will say, though, is you watch the Philadelphia Eagles, and it's crazy. I mean, they, I feel like every game they win is is ugly. Not that they should make apologies for, but Detroit can beat Philly. San Francisco just went through a really rough stretch. Now they they look great, but who knows where they're at with Brock Purdy in the playoffs. I mean, the, I guess my point is the NFC is incredibly wide open, and I feel like we could say that every year, but we can really say it this year. that there, there really isn't a dominant team. That even with their issues, where, where are you in mid to late December? All right, let's go to Minnesota at Denver, Tyler. The Vikings' five-game winning streak ends, uh, what was the file, 21-20. Tough defeat, certainly. Um, Denver had beaten the Chiefs and the Bills, you know, and they've really come on under Sean Payton. Um, don't look now, but you know where Russell Wilson is in passer rating, Tyler? He's third in the league. 104.3. Russ is cooking, man. <laughs> Not really, but <laughs> all right. So like he I measured cook, the vice. You know, for my kids, maybe throwing in that that freezer pizza, and you definitely got to double check that expiration date. Make sure it's not freezer burnt. It was good. Don't worry. It was it was perfectly fine. It was 2024 dinosaur pizza last night. Okay, with cucumbers. The kids like cucumbers and strawberries on the pizza. No, 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 not on the pizza. Not to the side. Yeah. Whoop. Lost our, our connection there. We good now, Bob? Yeah, we're good. Yes, yes. Uh don't worry. We 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 make sure the kids are fed. You know what though? That that Halloween bag, it lasted a little too long. We had to uh Cut that off and say, kids, there's no more candy left when there definitely was candy left. So, <laughs> All right, Tyler, I'm going to mention a few things about the Vikings. Now, they lost the game. They're 6-5. and five, But I'm kind of impressed with their personnel department and their coaching staff has done. We've talked about Dobbs last week. He wasn't as good this week, but still, to get this guy a starter, I mean, it's an amazing pickup. Now, you know, they lose um, their running backs. They lost um, Cam Akers to a season-ending Achilles tear. Okay, so they need another back. And they have Ty Chandler, a fifth-round pick in 2022. Tyler, Chandler, what a game. He had 14 touches for 110 yards. Man. Addison was 19 for 80, the best I've seen him this year. But let, look at this Chandler guy. You know, he reminded me of Aaron Jones. He uh, he played four years at Tennessee and won at uh, North Carolina. Fifth-round pick in 22, 5'11", 203-449. I think Aaron Jones ran 4.58. No, he plays a lot faster than that. But Chandler played in like three games last year, hadn't done anything. In this game, he was a revelation. And he gives them another back. I mean, the Packers would kill to have this guy. Third and 19, he gains 20 on a dump pass, hit, hitting the hole really fast. 
Elusive was breaking tackles. Yeti was patient. Good blitz pickup. Fine hands on a high ball. Um, he he gives up a strip sack to Josie Jewell. The ball's intercepted, or excuse me, an interception. McMillan, that nickelback, picks it off. And Chandler hustles over there and makes the tackle at the nine. It was a great play after you, rather than just, you know, hanging your head, he goes over there and makes the tackle and he holds him to a field goal. Chandler's a player, and that really helped their offense. And then I thought, too, you know, they weren't getting much out of Ezra Cleveland, their left guard. So they trade him, I think, for a five or a six at the trading deadline. And they had this guy, Dalton Reisner, former second-round pick of Broncos, like five years ago. And Reisner, all right, he's a bull in a china shop, but he's playing okay, Tyler, and he's given him at left guard. I got him for two bad runs in this game, but he's not bad. And I call him a roughhousing guy in that all-north story, but he's not bad. He's got a big personality, throws his weight around. He's okay. So, you know, you're, you're plugging holes with people. Christian Derrissaw, man, he got the edge on Decker at the left tackle on the All-North team. He makes it look so easy. He's becoming a great left tackle. Christian Derrissaw, it took him a couple years. Man, he's got that knee bend, the flat back. Whew. He, he is a, a really good-looking athlete. And Ingram, the, the right guard, you know, he gets beat sometimes, but he has a violent punch. Um I like him more than uh, Runyon of Green Bay at that position. I mean, it's close, but I think Ingram's just probably a little bit better player. Um, we know about the other guys. So their offense, Dobbs was not great. We can go through all this, but let's not. Um, now, he had a chance to win the game, right? First and 10 out of his, on his 25, 103 left. He's got three timeouts. He needs a field goal to win. He's going into the wind. He gets one first down, and that's it. And game over. They lose the ball. And so he didn't get it done. His O-line collapsed. Denver pass rush got to him. Pass rush, fourth quarter. That's how you win, and Denver did it. Um, so Dobbs is not great, but, boy, for what the alternatives were after losing Cousins, he's been pretty darn good. Just goes to show team like the New York Jets is just giving up, you know, at least try, try yeah. something else. And Tyler, I got to say, when you were saying the, when I was, I was totally down on the Vikings starting the year. And even after about a month, I was down on them. but you kind of said a couple of times, you said, Oh, don't count them out. And I was kind of laughing you off. You were right. <laughs> <laughs> they have something going there. <laughs> they have something going. I I used to always just kind of roll my eyes at the culture talk, but when it's done right, when, when a, when a coach and a GM instill something that is genuine, there is something to it. I mean, what Kevin O'Connell's done there being so positive and, and getting guys thinking in a totally different way, it's, it's beyond just going forward on fourth and two when maybe a, the previous coach wouldn't. I mean, he 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 goes for it on in that fourth and two situation, but at that point, all eleven players on the field believe they're going to convert, like genuinely, because of everything they're doing behind the scenes, everything they're doing the six other days of the week. 
there's there's a million things that go into it. You can't just point your finger to one metric and say that that's why. I think that's why it's always hard for us to wrap our heads around it. But it was like the perfect storm, the perfect team for somebody like Joshua Dobbs to walk into and succeed. And, and they don't even have Justin Jefferson out there. That's um, I'm not I'm not going to anoint them Super Bowl champs, but they're going to stay in the race to the bitter end, and they're going to be a team that Green Bay, Detroit, Chicago are going to have to deal with year in and year out. I, I, they've so got big to make. I mean, quarterback is is Joshua Dobbs probably won't be the answer there long term. They, they've got to figure out what in the hell they're going to do there. But I've just got a feeling that whatever they do will, will probably be a, a smart decision. He's got a slight chance to be the long-term answer. A slight chance. I'm not ruling him out. Why is that? We'll I kind of like him, Tyler. I like his brain. I like his arm. I like his legs. I mean, there's some stuff he did in this game. I mean, he runs a bootleg, Tyler. And um, they got him dead to rights for a sack. They just read it. And rather than taking a sack... He just charges ahead courageously to back towards the line of scrimmage, and he gains a yard rather than going minus seven, you know. The guy's got moxie. Now, he made some bad throws. He had some fumbles here. Three times he fumbled. All right, I get all that. But to do what he's done now in three weeks, pretty amazing. Let's go to the defense, what they've done to plug holes. You know, all right, they lose Jordan Hicks all of their defense. Now, this is a guy who's having a career year, playing every snap, wearing the green dot, out for the probably for the year with that shin surgery he had, compartment syndrome, weird injury, man. All right, so they put the green dot on the rookie, Ivan Pace from Cincinnati, the short guy. Played every snap. He played okay. We know him. He runs around. He's okay. And then what do they do? They re-sign Anthony Barr. Now, he got cut by somebody somewhere I can't remember where this year and he was on the street they bring him back and he played 12 snaps mostly on passing downs I mean he was feeling his way but I mean he ran 4-4-9 coming out Tyler this is a great speed linebacker one of the fastest big inside backers the game has seen and so they got him and now they lose Dean Lowry good old Dean with a torn peck out for the year in this game. They lose him. So what they do today, they elevated Sebastian Day, that guy from Notre Dame, fourth-round pick in 2016. I've always kind of liked the guy. He's short, six-foot-one-half-inch, but, you know, I mean, he's agile and quick, plays with a motor. So we'll see if he can help him. I mean, Lowry's a loss. We know Lowry. Every Green Bay fan knows him. He's fine as a five-technique, two-gapper, but yeah. – so they're losing people. They've lost a defensive starter in each of these two games. Um, the only other thing I'd mention is uh, Pat Jones, their number three edge. Man, he rushed really well against McGlinchey. Pat Jones did some damage. So with Wadham and Daniel Hunter, they do have a pass rush. That rush might be better than uh, Detroit's. Could be better than Green Bay. It's hard to say. I don't think so. I like Green Bay's rush. They got a good kicker. They had a good punt. They ran a fake punt. Chandler took the ball on a fake punt and went 31 yards. So they took some chances, but they lost it. 
Oh, here we go. I was muted that whole time, Bob. Man, I'm not on my A game. Uh, I was a, a good chunk of those yards that you referenced earlier were on that fake punt, which. Yeah, true. Right. Speaks to the coaching again. The moment they lost the game, like let's not anoint the Vikings here, but. Right. Yeah, it was a fun, it was a surprisingly fun game. Pardon? A surprisingly fun game, I thought, Bob. Yeah, it was. I agree. All right. So now should we go to uh, Thanksgiving Day here, Tyler? Look ahead. Let's do it. All right. So, T, we're going to go. Green Bay played at Detroit every year from 51 to 63. That's Briggs Stadium, later stadium, okay? And usually it was in the mud. It was a terrible surface, beat to hell after the baseball season. And Green Bay in those 13 games was 3-9-1. Lombardi was 2-2-1. Two, two and one. But he complained. He did not want to go over there every year. And finally, um, they cut him some slack, and Green Bay did not appear over there until 1984. And that's the, they had a 21-year lapse. And that's the game we're going to look at. I mean, Lombardi got killed in 62 over there on Turkey Day, 26 to 14. You know that one, 10, 11, 12 sacks, whatever it was. The fearsome foursome got after Bart Starr. And then the next year, they tied 13-13 on Turkey Day. The Bears finished 11-1-2 for first place. Green Bay finished 11-2-1 for second. The Bears went on to win the NFL title. So that hurt Lombardi, and that wiped it out. So the first Thanksgiving game I covered was my first full-time year on the beat, November 22, 1984. Detroit 31, Green Bay 28. So let's look at this big one, Tyler. At the Silverdome, 80,000 seats, 63,698 show up, okay? Um, That was the lowest since the Turkey Day game moved to the Silverdome in 75. I'm the only one who liked the Silverdome, I think. I'll stand by it. I like it. This was the 50th anniversary of Turkey Day football over in Detroit, okay? Um, So, now let's see here now. All right, so three and a half weeks earlier, the Pack had bombed the Lions 41-9 to at Lamb. So the Lions come in 3-8-1. and one. And The Pack comes in 5-7, and seven, but they had won four in a row under first-year coach Forrest Gregg. They turned it around after a 1-7 first half. They go 7-1 in the second. And the only defeat is in this Turkey Day, Turkey Day game at Detroit. All right, so let's look at beforehand here, Tyler. Um the uh, Green Bay Press Gazette, where I worked at the time, they uh, they did summaries on all the uh, the games since '51 over there, and um, there were some interesting things. Lombardi, after the '63 tie, was asked if he's glad to be out of Thanksgiving Day game. He only nodded. Um, so okay, so now let's look at it. Um, Larry McCarron, Tyler, 
had a one a streak of 162 consecutive games. That was tied for second in team history with like uh, Willie Davis. Somewhere I read that. Okay. But he suffered a neck injury the week before on Sunday against the Rams. And Larry did not play against the Lions. As a matter of fact, he never played again. That ended his career. He tried to come back in the offseason of 85, reported for training camp. I remember standing next to him when he was watching, like, the first practice in the old indoor barn before the Hudson Center. We were standing by the door, and he kind of indicated to me that that was a career. That's how his career ended, with a neck injury going down into his shoulder. It was some kind of a cervical deal. and. Um, a couple of days later, we all know Larry McCarron from the, the radio broadcast. Um, four days later, after the Packers had the weekend off, this is November 26th on a Monday, I went up to him in the locker locker room, and he was uh, – <laughs> this was the rock, and he was really rough, Tyler. This is my first full-time year on the beat, and um, he tells me this is the first time since his junior year at Rich Township East High School in Park Forest, Illinois, that he had missed a stretch of games. He had a broken collarbone. I want to make a little trivia question. What NCAA championship basketball coach coached Larry McCarron in basketball at Rich East? Mr. Steve Fisher, Michigan Wolverines. He was Larry's kiddie coach. Wow. He told me that once. <laughs> so anyway, so this is on Monday, and Larry still hasn't called it a career. You know, there's four games left. And uh, Larry's in the locker room. He's eating lunch, talking to reporters, while lying flat on his back in front of his locker. And I remember this now, 40 years ago, but I remember it. He had undergone a myelogram on a couple days earlier and was still feeling the after effects. I had a myelogram for a ruptured disc in like 81. I knew exactly what he was talking about. You had to lie still. It was horrible. That's before MRIs. Tight end Paul Coffin says, hey, Larry, we, we want to let you know that we're going to give you a full playoff share as if they're going in the playoffs. <laughs> Greg Cook says, yeah, but the vote was 25 to 23. <laughs> Larry says, um, this is not a cumulative type deal. It's just one of those things. They say it's a little more serious than a hangnail, but they don't know me. I know I can heal. Well, he didn't heal. So anyway, let's go to the game, okay, T? <laughs> just an aside. I'm just telling you, you know, there was a lot of access, and there was no free agency, and you knew these players for years and years, you know. And it, was, it just kind of led to that kind of coverage, you know. Just All right. In this game, the Lions, remember, had been pounded by the pack 41 to 9 at Lambeau. In this game, without Billy Sims, who was injured, the Lions had 518 yards, 33 first downs. They ran 80 plays to the Packers, 42? Are you shitting me? And they held the ball for 44 47. The Packers did great. They scored 28 points in 15 minutes. They were explosive with Lynn Dickey. But they lost it. And what did Forrest say afterwards? Now, 
Forrest did things that no coach today in their right mind would do, but it was a different era in which people spoke their mind. Maybe not as much as Forrest, but they did, Tyler. And he opened his press conference by saying, that was probably the worst 60 minutes of defensive football that I've ever seen a defensive team play. That was just horrible. Now, you know, <laughs> Tyler, you're the coach, you're the coach of this operation. <laughs> but no, in the bad times, he said arm's length. He was part of the glory years. He knew how to win. He was Lombardi's best player ever. And he would separate himself from the bull crap, you know? <laughs> yeah, nothing to do with it, Bob. Just an innocent nope. bystander. Washing his hands of that disaster. All right, so what else we got here? Forrest says, the opponent is going to prepare for you. You cannot roast or glide in this league. If you go into a ball game thinking it's going to be easy, you're going to get your teeth kicked in. And that's about what we got. <laughs> so they got hammered. Let's see if there's any other goodies here in this coverage. Gary Danielson. Yep. 24 for 33, 305, and three touchdowns, a quarterback. Danielson. He threw a Hail Mary at the end of the half to Nichols for 48 yards, led to a field goal with two seconds left. Not a touchdown. John Dorsey, the rookie from Connecticut, had to play a lot because uh, George Cumbie went out in the first quarter. And Dorsey had a long day trying to uh, play in coverage against Danielson. So we went up the Dorsey afterwards, uh, and there was a 21-yard pass to tight end David Lewis. Dorsey said it was his own coverage, and basically I was supposed to carry the tight end, but I effed up. <laughs> Guys would admit stuff, you know. <laughs> then he's asked about another play against the run when he didn't play good. Dorsey says, well, what I was supposed to do was attack the inside shoulder of the guard. Plus, I got held a few times, too. That didn't help, but that's the pro game. All right, is there anything else here, Tyler? Hold on. <laughs> the all-time record was Greg, 187 consecutive games. That was for the pack at the time. And Larry at 162 tied Willie Davis. Who's up the record now? Bar. Consecutive games. Bar, bar, bar. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. So after the game, somebody asked Greg uh, if he now understood why Vince Lombardi fought hard with big office to uh, schedule the Lions Thanksgiving Day opponent on a rotating basis. Quote, I don't like to play in it either, Greg said. Maybe it will be my last time to ever have to play in it. Hope it is. Well, two years later, he went over there again. And he won that puppy 44 to 40. And the star was Walter Stanley. But that's a story for That was Monty Clark's last victory heading the Honolulu Blue and Silver. They finished 4-11 and 1. And William Clay Ford cashiered him at the end of the year. This was his last W. He was replaced by Daryl Rogers, formerly of Michigan State and Arizona State. The Lions weren't a downturn there. And that 84 Packers team, they started one and seven, finished eight and eight. And that was like the one yep. loss uh, through their winning streak. So Turkey day. Good stuff, man. It, it still blows my mind that 
Bart Starr coached as long as he did. Forrest Gregg coached as long as he did. They were really hanging on to those Lombardi glory days, weren't they? Like just Yeah, Bart got nine years, Tyler. Nine years! And he was just so... Oh, my God, self-righteous. The, the morning he got fired when he held his press conference, quoting Teddy Roosevelt, you know, how could they do this to me? He got nine years. <laughs> right, and there there was this the sentiment that like they they ended that year kind of hot right and if he just stuck around maybe they would have turned the corner it was at his point like what why did he well how how did he justify it yeah he, he'd become a better coach he wasn't equipped for the job when they hired him and then his excuse was that it took him years to become a good coach and then he thought he had turned the corner and then he totally blew the uh the mismanaged the clock down in Chicago in the 83 finale. <laughs> Obviously, he hadn't learned much of anything. One thing, one, one more mention, Tyler. Let's just look at this Detroit Green Bay series. You know, you know what the Lions lost 23 straight in Green Bay and Wisconsin. Remember, whatever that was, 22, we've talked about that. I can't remember the number. But in the last six and a half years, Detroit leads this series eight to five. They swept the Packers in 17 and 18. They swept them last year. And if they win Thursday, they'll sweep them again. The Lions. Green Bay's got to turn this thing off, and this would be the best time ever to do it. Break their hearts, you know? Thanks for uh, – I'm not even going to say filibustering because that, that was some great stuff, Bob. I agree with you. Like, that's th- – this could be the time to catch them. But while you were talking – I thought that Bart Starr opened up about his coaching tenure when I sat down with him for that story at the Journal Sentinel. Um, this would have been right when he turned 80 years old. So when did this run? What did he say, T? I can't remember. September of 2013. So I saw him the, the summer before. And here, here's Bart Starr. Quote, it was a mistake, and I almost knew it from the start. I didn't have the guts to say no. I hadn't trained to be a coach. That takes great training. Being an assistant under a coach Lombardi or a Tom Landry or whoever, that prepares you to do a better job when you become a coach. I hadn't received that training. It showed. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, pretty reflective. I mean, many years later, but just admitted 30. that yeah. he, he said he was talked into accepting the job and he wasn't ready. There was Chuck Lane and others lobbied for him with the with the executive committee, Oli. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, he wasn't ready when he got the job. He certainly, you know, claimed to be. He asked for pr- your prayers and patience, I believe, at his opening press conference in 75. But he was GM, too, you know. He had both jobs. That never should have happened. And then they took the GM thing away from him after about five years. And um, but then he never let Dick Cork run with it as the personnel guy. That that might have saved him, but he, he just couldn't do it. And it was a a bad era. Interesting. Well, yeah, I forgot. I remember. I've, of course, I read every inch of that story, Tyler. I forgot that. Predictions? Do you want to offer your prediction here on the pod? I know you're a prediction guy, Bob. I do not want to, Tyler. How about you? 
<laughs> I'm going to go Detroit by a field goal. I think we're all going to be treated to a entertaining football game. Always love the 12 o'clock game. I think that uh, is it. Is it tryptophan? What's that stuff that's in Turkey that makes you tired? You know, that kind of kicks in. I don't know. Evening, and we all just kind of doze off. That's all I got. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And yeah. make sure you read, you listen. We've got a lot of stuff coming up for you. Like I said, the podcast with Brett Favre will we'll recap the game and get into some big picture stuff as well. Also have a profile on Orlando Brown Jr. Sat down with the Cincinnati Bengals offensive tackle. He was a delight, Bob, and had me in mm. stitches many times over in conversation. Really? Yes. Yes. We talked for about an hour and a half and oh. uh, he was wild. So I'll be on the lookout for that. And I mentioned on the other show, a series that we'll have dropping at go along when the time is right. So uh, that'll be a three-parter. Each one will be very, very long. And I can't really tease too much on those lines, Bob. We'll just have to keep people uh, waiting for that. I'm waiting on that one. That'll be good. Excellent. Thank you so much, everyone. Take care.